Welcome to At The Whiteboard. I'm Nicole North and I'm your host. This season on At The Whiteboard, we're focusing on everything leadership, learning, and development. We have a ton of great guests ready to share their knowledge. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hello. Hi. Welcome to At The Whiteboard. I am your host, Nicole North. And today I am joined by someone I had the pleasure of meeting about a month or two ago. uh, And I had the honor of being on his and Meredith Grandai's podcast. Are you waiting for permission? Uh, I am joined today by Joseph Bennett. Hi, happy to be here. The audience roars with laughter and applause throwing cash at us. I love it. Please throw your cash our way. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Joseph Bennett, uh, when I met him, I just went, this is, this is my people. Um, Mm. He is, uh, he called me a joy to behold, but I believe he is a joy to behold as well. Takes one to know one North. He is a multi-passionate podcaster. He is a life coach, an improviser, a retreat leader, a poet. Uh, he's an assemblage artist. What does that mean? So working with found objects, creating three-dimensional art. So you know how collage, that's more familiar to most people. That's two-dimensional using objects or papers or disparate things. Assemblage is three-dimensional artworks. Look, I have an image right here. Perfect. Now you have so to handy. share the video so that your your viewers can see it. But this is my art okay. with like, things that I find in the streets or in thrift stores and secondhand like, stores. Like cool dioramas. Is They're it? exactly like dioramas. Yes. Okay, perfect. Cool. But much more artsy. It, it, it does sound much more um, professional to call them assemblage assemblage pieces. Well, fortunately, I know how to spell assemblage. I always mess up how to spell diorama, so I don't use that word. I try not to use words I can't spell. Same, same, same. I can't spell the word, um, gosh, what is it? There is one word uh, that I constantly use in my work, and I cannot spell it. I always add an extra M or an extra S. Can't remember what it is, but... Mine is the word appreciate, which I know how to spell, but I don't type it correctly. So I always invert the I and the A, and it, like, yeah, appreciate. I need help with that one, typing it out. He's yeah. also but I appreciate you. I appreciate you, too. I-E or A-I. <laughs> both. I appreciate you both ways. <laughs> uh, he's also a stand-up comedian. I don't know if you've gotten that just yet. Um, I, that's also my, uh, my pipe dream. I'd also like to be a stand-up comedian. Um, and in his spare time, he's perpetually looking for a strong cup of decaf. Why decaf? Who wants to drink decaf? I know who wants to drink decaf. I know it's terrible, but I love the taste and flavor of coffee. It's like a comfort food for me, but I don't like caffeine. I don't like the buzz of that. I'm a recovering addict, so I don't like the way that that feels in my body. Ah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he enjoys inspired connections with other humans. So Aww. I'm in. That's oh, beautiful. That Who wrote that? I don't know. Oh, so that's sweet. nice. It is yeah. nice. It is nice. So welcome to the pa- uh, to the podcast, Joseph. Uh, I know that uh, our listeners uh, who are all about seeking uh, ways to amp up their work life, amp up their leadership potential, amp up their leadership skills, uh, 
So tell us a little bit about the, the work that you do, what you're, what's giving you joy and bringing you life these days. Mm, that's a beautiful question. There are so many things. I'm really, really lucky. I feel like I've won the lottery multiple times because I live in a really beautiful area. I live in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. So I'm down near Mexico City. So one thing that's bringing me joy is that I don't live in the United States, which is where I was born and bred and raised for many years. So I live here. It's gorgeous. There's not snow. I know you're experiencing a lot of snow in Canada these days, so we don't have that. And I get to do what brings me joy every day. Oh, aren't you just disgusting? That's great. I know. I am so disgusting. But And here's part of why that happens. I have a practice that I want to share with your listeners. And that is every evening before I go to sleep, I'm usually taking a hot bath with some candlelight. That's my practice. And when I'm in the bathtub, I reflect on my day. And I acknowledge myself for the things that I did that day, Nicole, to bring me closer to my dreams. And it could be something really beautiful and simple like, oh, today I got to talk to Nicole Norrett on her podcast. So that will be one of the things that I acknowledge myself for. And the reason that I find this practice so helpful, and I'm getting chills in my body right now, is because we collectively, often until now, are focused on what's missing, what we didn't do, where we haven't won, where, where we're not achieving what we wanted to achieve. But when we take those two or three minutes each day and say, you know what, I did this, and I did this, and I enjoyed this, and I laughed with that friend, and I connected with that person, those are the things that I did. I'm winning this thing called life because I did those things, and now I can rest, put my head on the pillow, and I can sleep. So I believe in focusing on what's working versus what's missing. And that's why I get to have joy in my life every day, because that's where my focus is. Gosh, that's so much less lame than people who say, I practice gratitude every day. Like you just phrased it in such a natural, cool way. But it sounds to me like gratitude. It sounds to me like uh, I'm certified in a practice called appreciative inquiry. I saw that. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I read that on your website. And so what that is, is, is this idea of when you are consulting or working with teams or leading teams or uh, training teams uh, or trying to work through problems, instead of mm. focusing on what's not working, uh, you begin the action with positive psychology of, can you recall a time when things were working great? Can you recall a time when you were joyful at work? and then describe all of the um, pieces of that puzzle. Who was there? What was happening? What was the time frame? What was the topic? To help uh, organizations help uh, to come back to that joy or come back to that optimal place. Uh, so I think that's a, what you said sounded to me very much like appreciative inquiry. I love the phrase of it, and I get a sense from your description of what it is. And I think it's a total game changer. I really do. I think that when we can put on the glasses to filter our vision, our perception of what's working, what do we appreciate? There's that word again. I'm not going to try and spell it. Um, 
you know, what can I, how can I inquire about what I've enjoyed in my life and how to recreate that or to build on that? It's so much more powerful than trying to build our lives on, I'm missing out on this, or this isn't working, or I'm not making enough money, or I don't have enough time. Like, there's an adage and, and an age-old wisdom that says, what we focus on grows stronger in our life. So when we focus on appreciation and happiness and what's working and on gratitude and what we've accomplished, it just makes our lives so much easier and flow so much more delightfully. And here's the second part of that. And that is, listener, please find people in your life that are also doing that. Just do. And if there are people in your life who are complaining or <clears throat> focusing on the shit show, pardon my voice, then you either need to ask them to practice some appreciative inquiry with you or inquisitiveness or find new people, right? I love, uh, I love what you said, like oh. who, are, who are focusing on the shit show. That's yeah. funny. That's, <laughs> and it's, it's so true, though. There are some people, mm. and I, listen, I get that. Can I tell you an interesting story? Anything. So uh, I had this, so I moved from the city of Toronto uh, to a place called Oro Medante, which is about uh, an hour and a half north of Toronto. It's, it's rural. I'm a city girl. I've grown up in downtown Toronto my entire life. I have lived there with the exception of a few years in Florida. Uh, I then, you know, I, I'm a city girl. So I have moved to this like cow country um, and, uh, we have this gorgeous house. We live in this beautiful, uh, ridiculous neighborhood that looks like a Pleasantville movie set. All of my <laughs> neighbors look like they're from Pleasantville and most of them are retired, um, except for us who are like running around with like goldfish crackers in our hair and like kids spitting <laughs> on us and like, you know, weird stuff. Everyone else just like is sitting on their porch, like. Uh, drinking a cup of coffee and like having the sun shine on their perfectly pressed white pants. Um, I, mm. you know, I'm just kind of like dragging myself out of the house anyhow. So, you know, if anyone has ever had their house built, it's kind of a painful process. And, you know, you, you have all these visions of perfection and there are some things that are just not perfect or aren't done properly or aren't working. And so, uh, because we all moved into this community together and we were all there during uh, the panorama, <laughs> the, 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 the COVID, the thing, um, we all became very tight. I mean, I, I saw some of my neighbors more than I saw my parents mm, um, wow. because it was just that period of time. So we would sit around a campfire every Saturday night and everyone would kind of start complaining about whatever it is. Oh, my shelf fell down and they won't fix it. And I was like, wow, my, my grading's not done and they're not doing anything about it. And because I also am an aspiring stand-up comedian. I sometimes get into <laughs> these, like, you know, I get into a, what does my husband call them? I start putting on a show. So I get into this whole uh, comedy routine in my head. Uh, you know, making fun of uh, the guys that are working on the grading in the back. And I'm like, they're out there smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee. I don't know what they're doing out there. And, you know, the crowd's laughing. I'm getting getting the adrenaline high. And my neighbor turns to me and says, can you shut the fuck up and stop? Oh, no. He's no. like, can you just stop complaining for once? 
And I, I probably died. I think I may not have risen again. I may have died at that Part moment. Of your spirit and, died, of course. Yeah. Oh, totally. And you know, as I tell this story, a lot of people go like, "Oh my God, what a dick!" Yeah, I mean, sort of. Sure, <laughs> maybe. Uh, probably wasn't the nicest thing to say, and it really shifted my perspective. I kind of went, "Oh, am I sitting around complaining about all these?" trivial, silly things when I should be languishing, maybe languishing is not the bad word, luxuriating. It's a a great word, yeah. Luxuriating in the fact that I live in this gorgeous forest with sunsets that are like Hmm. unreal with the rolling hills and the horses braying and the cows mooing and trails. And it it is stunning. It's stunning. And, And I always thought of that as a huge like point in time when I said, yeah, I am going to choose to talk about life differently. I am going to choose to describe what happened differently. And it was like a week later that I went on vacation with my, like how I like how I'm doubling up on the story. You're on the podcast, but I'm talking like that fun, huh? Um. (laughs) You're so entertaining and I don't have to do a thing. This is great. Okay, but this is my last story and then I will pass it back to you. And I went on this vacation with my best friend and the kids were sick and no one was sleeping and it was kind of a grind for this whole week. And when I came back, someone said, how was your vacation? And my temptation was to say, oh, the kids are sick and it was a total grind. And, and I, I went, let me shift my perspective. How would I tell this story to Scott, my neighbor who told me to shut the fuck up? Um, and I went, Oh my God, you know what? I had a lovely vacation. I said, I spent an hour and a half with my best friend every single day walking with our two little baby boys, these two little blonde babbling boys who are about a month apart. Um, and she's from New York city. So we don't get to see each other that often. And I shifted my Mm. perspective. I shifted my experience. Mm, okay, okay, I'm going to share my story with you, which is yeah. also, interestingly enough, Ms. North, about being around a campfire with my friend Scott. About Did he tell m- you to shut the fuck up? No, he told me something different. But it was about a month ago, and I was sitting around telling him a, about my husband's one-man musical that Meredith Grundy directed. It hadn't opened yet. My husband had all these doubts, but he had a reading of the show. And it's a very personal, vulnerable show that he wrote and he stars in. It's a musical. He plays 25 characters. And somebody that came to the reading on Zoom before the show opened didn't really give any feedback afterwards. Like, he was just completely silent, he and his wife. And we're like, what? So a week went by, two weeks go by, nothing. Finally, they, they meet with my husband, Eli, and they say, I have to tell you, no matter what, you have to get the show out into the world. It's that good. You have to get it out. And then his wife says, tell him the rest of it. What else happened? And then the husband says, I was thinking about ending my life. I watched your show, and I decided not to kill myself. Because if you can go through all the things, Eli, that you have been through and be that resilient and still be that healed and well-adjusted, I can too. So I tell my friend Scott this story. 
And he says to Eli, "You have already won." No matter what happens with the tickets, with the GoFundMe campaign, with the Hollywood premiere, whatever, you have already won. So I took that, like your Scott said what he said to you, and you had that moment of aha. When I heard that from my Scott, I thought, I've already won. It doesn't matter if they laugh at my joke, if if they like my my Facebook things, if they hire me to be their coach or they buy my artwork, I have already won, Nicole. Everything else that happens moving forward in my life is just icing on the cake, if I can use that proverb or analogy. So that was my campfire aha moment. So the next day, I take a post-it note, and the only thing I have written on my bathroom mirror is on this note. It says, "You have already." And I spelled everything correctly, by the way, just so you know.、Um, and I thought, how beautiful is that? And I wonder if some of us, if some of your listeners, can reflect. There's that word again on their life, and they don't need to strive for more. They don't need to <clears throat> sell another thing, right? They don't need to have another collector or another client. They can rest in the knowing that they have already won. And anything that shows up from now on is just like a bonus. And、uh, it doesn't mean that we don't work or strive or, or try and achieve things. It just means that we come from a place of already being filled versus being. I was going to use the F word. I'm not going to.、Um, we're already filled versus missing out. So you've already won. I'm I'm gonna use the F word. That was fucking beautiful. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, thank you, Scott. <laughs> yeah, that was really beautiful. Really, really moving. And and you wonder how many people, if they could start their day a little bit differently,、mm. if they could start, if they could go to sleep a little bit differently, if they could. Turn on their computer just a little bit differently, and I love that you brought. It's one of my favorite tools, the Post-it note. The humble Post-it note can be a life-changing experience. I,、uh, I wish I could show you the parts of my office that you can't see on this Zoom, are covered in Post-it notes. Covered. covered. Oh, I see them over there on your both right.、Walls. Yes. Both walls. Oh, and they're all color coordinated too, so that must sometimes yes.、Something. Yeah. Uh, because I find them a very magical tool to change a, a behavior, and、uh, when you go to your computer every day, when you wake up and pick up your phone off the nightstand every single morning, if you just had a post-it note telling you to do something differently, or think something differently, think something、mm-hmm. differently, right? Don't don't look at this phone.、Mm-hmm. Reflect on your day, or don't、right. look at this、yeah. phone. Think of three things you need to do to be happy, or you know, don't look at this phone.、Uh, Think that you've already won the day. Start the day、mm. knowing that you've already won, or put it on your mirror. Whatever it is, so magical in behavior change. And as leaders, you need to have this mindset, right? I, you know me, I'm always hawking the limitless leader. I'm like a bad、yes. vacuum salesman,、um, but I, I, I'm not really hawking that. It's more hawking the concept of what's possible. Yeah, le- leaders that believe in themselves, leaders that,、uh, in their own right, feel limitless, so that they have the p- 
possibility, the potential, the opportunity to make others feel limitless, right? That like that ability to even by storytelling the way you just did to unlock something in me or, you know, to, to recognize, cause I could have sat there in the Scott shut the fuck up moment. You and I could have yep. sat there and been like, oh, how awful. I'm never going to talk to my neighbor again. You're uninvited I'm... from Thanksgiving, all of it, right? Yeah. I could have uh, rumbled in that. I could have dwelled in that. And I did for a bit until I went, well, he's not wrong. Uh, and that was a huge shift. So I, I think it's so powerful to have those stories and those experiences, especially if you can turn them into mm. behavior change or turn them into a, a habit of, of thinking differently. A habit that I have that I want to share with your listeners. It's so simple and it's connected to what you're saying to that Scott moment. So... My husband, Eli, had about a 10% chance of survival from a pretty severe and aggressive cancer. And he healed with a number of different modalities, but one of them was with nutrition. And to, on top of that, we decided, not that we were big complainers, but we decided that especially during meals, we were only going to talk about positive, loving things. We weren't going to talk about politics or current events or the tsunami or she said or he said or the neighbors or the fence or anything. During our meal, it was only going to be positive and loving things. And then as, as he got healthier and more and more people started coming in to share meals with us, we shared this practice with people. And it has now become a habit for some of us, right? So yesterday we're at a restaurant and this woman comes up. I hadn't seen her in a long time. We took an EFT tapping class together and you know we were catching up and then she started talking about things happening in the U.S. and division. And I'm sitting there eating a meal with Eli. And I said, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but please know that when we're eating, we only talk about positive and loving things. Like, I was not going to be the nice guy here, Nicole, and be like, oh, yes, please go ahead and spew your shit all over my meal with your negative vibrations. I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't, you know, I just gently, as tactfully as possible, said, we don't want to talk about this when we're having a meal. And later, um, Eli acknowledged me. He said, I love how you can share your truth with people and not make them sh feel shamed or ashamed. And I know as a leader, that's what you try to do as well, right? Um, and we can do that if we approach it from a way that's filled up, right? Versus, oh, I'm really lacking. And here, lady, leave me alone. Shut up, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is extremely powerful. I, I mean, it's something, there's this delicate balance with leaders, right? How do you, I always said that my, the, part of the reason I do what I do is because I had a leader that, that had this culture that was incredible. And it was this balance of firmness and, and mm. friendship and kindness, firmness directness paired with uh, genuine curiosity, genuine concern, uh, kindness, friendship, all of those loving things. And it was amazing because typically when you look at manner managers, they're either an asshat, they're mean, <laughs> they give bad feedback, they don't listen, they don't coach, 
they don't do anything, they, they suck, they totally suck, or they try and be your best friend, right? They're all buddy buddy, like corporate sucks, huh? Let's uh, let's let's talk about corporate a bit. Nah, nah, nah. You know, we don't want to do that because corporate says we gotta, and they they buddy up. Um, but the best managers have this beautiful blend of directness and kindness, and I feel like that's what what you did there. It was the, the directness of, we don't talk about that at dinner with a kind tone and probably kindness and, and care and friendship surrounded by it. And that person felt safe and was like, I'm not being judged. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm adopting the culture of the environment I'm in. And that's the dream of a leader too, to influence mm. the culture of the environment they're in. You know, when you were talking about that, Nicole, it made me just want to proposition you and would you please be my manager for the rest of my life just yes. manage me and everything in my life with kindness and firmness and i know that i'll be in good shape yeah, like whoever gets to work with you is freaking lucky that's what i'm thinking Thank you are a joy to behold miss north that's my favorite quote about myself <laughs> <laughs> you go tell scott go tell scott Say, I had somebody all the way in Mexico tell me that I am a joy to behold. What do you think of that? And by the way, you burned your marshmallow. <laughs> I'm crying. I'm crying laughing. <laughs> hey, I have no segue to talk about what I want to talk about next. Please go. Can you play some instrumental music or something? <laughs> <laughs> to introduce that, guess what I am doing this week? I am sending my book to the book designer. So a book designer is the person who takes all of my words, which are ugly and misspelled, well, that's really an editor, um, and makes them look pretty on the page. And my book is called Rest, the Art of Doing Less. And it is about healing our exhaustion as a status symbol. If not healing, that's a, that's a big proposal, right? But at least looking at and reconsidering our exhaustion as a status symbol and how we are collectively, I'm thinking of Americans now where I grew up from the US, um, that we're, we're perpetually in a busyness com competition and who's busier. And, um, so I wrote this book and it's beautiful, it's simple, it's a workbook and um, it's going to the book designer like tomorrow. I'm really excited. That is so exciting. How, what one and I can you say the words how you described it again? It was so powerful. I I, I lost it, uh, and it, I stopped. Helping I, I, to heal our I, addiction as a status symbol. Yes. Our exhaustion as a status. Exhaustion symbol. as a status symbol, and that's you know if you've heard that phrase like stop glamorizing hustle culture. Mm, mm -hmm. But I, okay. I think your statement is better. Less glamorous. I like yours better, but it's not a competition. See, that's the thing. It's not a competition. We can have both. There's room for both. Yeah. I mean, when I was living in the U.S., you know, people would say, oh, you know, you think you're busy? I haven't slept since last Tuesday. And, you know, I'm picking up double shifts. And da -da. so when I moved to Mexico, we met a couple of guys here. And one of them was from really far away. I want to say like the Netherlands right far away and the other guy in the couple was from the u.s and i said oh have you had friends come and visit and the guy from the netherlands said yes i have and the guy in the u.s said no all of my friends have the american disease 
And I said, what's that? And he said, no time and no money. And I was like, wow. And as I've gotten older and you know, learned, met people from other cultures, it's not just an American disease, right? We're all running around with the excuse, no time and no money. So part of my book asks us to try and heal or at least be cognizant of how our relationship to time is really screwing with us. You know, even our languaging around time. You know, I don't have enough time. Time is running out. Time is killing me. Like, oh, I'm so busy. All of that. So, yeah, it, it's a simple book, and I think it's going to make me a multimillionaire so I can come and help you shovel snow in the country with the cows. Oh, but personally, I'd rather you fly me to Mexico, but yeah, I guess. Oh, I, I could do that. The snow. Yeah, maybe we'll switch. I'll go and have my bucolic time, and you can come here and hang well, out. Like with the it. holiday, we'll house swap. Yeah, I've also terrible. I've also run many Airbnbs, so I can uh, take care of house and everything. Oh yeah, we have a retreat center here, so yeah, you can yeah. help people and teach them to be better leaders while they're on vacation. Sounds really fun. I want to know what inspired <laughs> you. What inspired you to to focus on that notion of time? Did, did something happen, or what 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 brought that idea on? I think it's so related to our inability until now to rest. Is we feel like we're running out of time and we don't have enough time. And Scott next door is doing a better job at what he's doing than I'm doing. So I have to work harder. I have to sleep less. I have to keep going. Um, and when I was interviewing my coach, Barbara Leggett, on the podcast, Are You Waiting for Permission with Meredith Grundy, she said, if I hear one more person talk about pushing through, like, oh, I'll just push through. I'll just do one more blog post. I'll just do one more podcast. I'll just push through. And it really hit me. <clears throat> I'm not sure if this is answering your question, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Because it was, a, it was one of those aha moments for me. You know, because I'm an action junkie. Like, I have done 365 days of inspired actions on Facebook. I've done all of these groups around it. So I know how to do the action. But do we know how to do the rest? Do we know how to say, I'm not pushing through, even if Nicole is? Can I let go of that? And can I still love myself by giving myself time to rest? Am I willing to do that? Because I've already won, right? If we believe that we're already filled up and we're already whole, then we get to rest. <clears throat> and I wonder, I had a boss uh, not too long ago uh, at one point that said, at the start of every meeting, I'd say, oh, hi, how is, how's your day? How's your week so far? Oh, crazy. I've been, mm. I've been up, since, up since six, meetings since six, uh, you know, uh, yes, you know yes, I'll be yes. working, working till seven. And I, I always remember just going, why, 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 why are you letting why are you that, doing that? Yeah. happen to you? Why, why is that always the start? And then I remember immediately my own insecurities kicking in as an employee being like, oh, I, I didn't start my meetings at six. Was I supposed to? Mm -hmm. What am, am I, I less valuable because I start my meetings at 10? God forbid. Right. And, and, and so I think there is uh, uh, an, 
Is it a, no, it's not a pandemic, an endemic? I, maybe that's not what it's called, an epidemic, but like a stress and burnout epidemic right now. People, Absolutely. the work from home thing, uh, while it was, you know, originally intended to give people freedom from the commute and flexibility and work-life balance, in fact, just increased people's productivity, uh, increased people's workload, increased people's hours, and then that became the, the, the standard. So people need this rest. And the only way that employees and teams and organizations as a whole can heal themselves from this stress and, and burnout epidemic is from leaders doing that first. Leaders giving themselves permission to rest. Yes, please. Yes, please. Can I read something to your readers? Uh, I, I would be angry if you didn't. <laughs> what an answer you never um, need to ask me permission you can do anything in my books this is my rest manifesto that i wrote it starts the book it says be patient with yourself allow yourself to rest each day even if you don't think you need it or deserve it be careful when you notice yourself pushing through listen to your body let go of exhaustion as a status symbol. Let's heal our addiction to busyness. Schedule in your self-care time. Act as if you deserve it until you begin to believe it more fully. Make peace with saying no. No is a complete sentence. Make peace with saying yes to yourself, letting go, and lying down. Rest stands for resting enlivens soul's tremendously allow other people to help you and your family create time for nothing and no thing doing nothing is incredibly freeing make peace with time create an immensely generous friendship with time time is not your enemy if you believe that it is you'll never be able to fully rest try this i am enough I do enough, there is enough. Remove words like busy, lack, and overwhelm from your vocabulary. Toxic productivity is a real thing. Refuse to participate in it. Delight yourself with how rested you are. Life is not a competition. Be extra, extra kind to yourself. Give yourself permission to stop, slow down, take a breath, breathe deeply, and slowly find reasons to love yourself throughout the day have a things to don't do list find a partner in rest and support each other's self-care have a party and invite everyone to do nothing re-examine your priorities and make sure you're one of them you are already enough you are loved now go rest that's my manifesto. You for you might be the only human on the planet that's ever rendered me speechless. Uh, that was beautiful, powerful, and every sentence meant something to me. Is that it's it's 
I don't know how to do, I, I can't, I'm not even smart enough to have remembered all of it because it was all so good. Uh, but the one part that struck me that resonated with me was this idea of remo removing busy from your vocabulary. Uh, I, I often talked about that conversation that um, managers and people or leaders and people or even people and people have. Mm -hmm. Hey, how's your week? Busy, good. Busy. How's your week? Crazy, busy. And I, mm. I just went, just shut up. <laughs> so shut up. I, I love New Year's resolutions. I'm one of those geeky guys that loves them. And one year, about eight years ago, my New Year's resolution was to take the word busy out of my vocabulary, to take the word crazy, to take the word should, and one other one that is completely gone out. I don't remember what it was. Um, so instead of saying busy, I say active. How was your week? Oh, it's pretty active. So to me, that just, I mean, you can use any word you want, right? But I don't want to use a word that's so charged with negative connotations, right? So I use active. Hate. Oh, that's the other word I took out of my vocabulary. Hate. So hate, busy, create, should. Um, and I worked in a psychiatric unit for 10 years. I know what crazy is. Most of us are not living crazy lives, right? Yeah. We're just living active lives. Active or full or... Yeah. Fulfilling. God forbid our week be fulfilling. Okay. I have, I have, a, I have a question, though. Not really? That's an interesting thing for a podcaster to say. <laughs> Maybe it's a, it's, a, it's a transition. It's mm -hmm. a... So I love the power of words. I think the words mean something. And I think sometimes we take words for granted. Uh, you know, we say, hey, how are you? But we don't really listen. We say, how sure. is your day busy? And we're, we don't yeah. actually reflect on what we were doing. What, what is the fine line, in your opinion, from true um, happiness, true gratitude, true word choice, the way that you've described it today through your dinnertime habit, your, your candlelit bath time habit, um, your word choice habit, and not make it toxic positivity. What, what, what's the line between positivity and happiness and toxic positivity? I don't know. <laughs> what, I don't know, but what I do know is there's a brilliant book by Michael Singer called The Untethered Soul. And near the end of it, he talks about our happiness comes down to one thing and one thing only, and that is a decision. Will you decide that no matter what happens in your life, you will be happy? And most of us, our knee-jerk reaction to that is, yeah, I'll do that, unless there's a lot of traffic, unless my manager yells at me, unless my wife leaves me. I'll be happy unless the price of produce goes up another 20%, God damn it, right? But Michael Singer in his brilliant coaching says, will you be happy no matter what? So I don't think that that's toxic positivity. I think that that's a genuine decision to say, I'm on this ball in the middle of nowhere that is freaking on fire. 
we're floating in space. We don't even know how we're doing that, right? They call it gravity, but we don't really know what that even looks like. And we can either choose to be suffering and say, oh my gosh, this is all a shit show. Or we can say, this is miraculous, and I'm going to be happy. So for me, I choose day in and day out that I'm not suffering. Not always happy. I'm not always 100%. I'm not a freaking unicorn, right? But I'm not going to be suffering. There was a phrase that, that someone, I don't know who it was or where it came from, but this idea of letting life happen to you and, and being the victim in everything that happens versus, and I think it might just be a mindset shifting, right? Sure, the idea yeah. of uh, things happen to me and now I'm the victim and look at me and you know, Scott told me to shut the fuck up and my manager keeps making me feel like I'm not busy enough and poor me and oh, that's why I'm so sad and uh, why I, you know, and instead saying, here's what I'm going to do with these opportunities, right? It's mm -hmm. that subtle conscious movement in our in our brain i wonder if it's that like amygdala and prefrontal cortex uh fight that happens of when we get into fight or flight right we see a threat and we just lay down and become the victim or do we actively move into our logic part of our brain and say i am i'm choosing to make this a learning opportunity or mm -hmm. i am choosing to accept that this was hard and I am going to do something about it. And pray tell, I may even be grateful for it. I might even find what I can be grateful for in this moment. Because there's always something to be grateful for, right? And I don't think that that is just toxic positivity, like, oh, I'm going to pretend that there's not a war in the Ukraine. I think it's, I'm going to be happy I'm not going to suffer, and now I'm going to be whole or healed enough that I can go forth and help Ukraine. Or I can go forth and help with Black Lives Matter. I can go forth and help my fellow human being. So it starts with us, but it doesn't end with us, right? Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Uh, Imagine if I drank caffeine. <laughs> this is all on decaf, dude. I, I just, I just, I, I want to see that. I want to see that caffeine reaction. Uh, <laughs> how, before, I know we have a, just a tiny bit of time left. So I have two questions. Number one, how do, how do we change those negative neural pathways, right? That is, ingrained in our brain, ingrained in our culture, ingrained in how we talk to one another. Like it was, it was not uncommon for me to sit down in the fire and start complaining, you know, about this, that, or the other, the drywall, the, the trim, the, this, the, that, uh, how do we, cause it takes work. It, it doesn't kind of, you don't just instantly go like Ta -da! today. I'm happy. Can I stop you there? Stories? Yes. So talk about language and the power of language. It takes work already makes me as a human being want to shut down because I don't want to work, right? It takes work to do this. What if, I just got chills again, what if it takes attention? 
what if changing our habits, our mindset, our neural pathways, our communications, our relationships with our neighbors takes attention? I think that we're more apt and willing to change some of those things if we just look at it as attention. Where do I want to put my attention today? Versus what do I want to work on today, right? Oh, I'm going to work on my abs and my biceps and my you know, neural pathways. Fuck. No, what do I want to put my attention on today? I want to put my attention on kindness and being a better leader and being well-spoken and connecting with a fellow human being. That's where I want to put my attention. And then the next day, just do the same thing. But in between those two days, then you have the nighttime practice of acknowledging yourself. Where did I put my attention today? How did that feel? How did that sit in my body, mind, and spirit? So the next day, <clears throat> we can do the same or make some slight adjustments, slight attention things. What's your second question? Sorry that I interrupted you, but I had to. Um, yeah, you, 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 you changed my mindset on how to, how to make that word choice. I, lo I loved mm. it. I loved it. Uh, my second question is, what's your favorite breakfast cereal? I'm kind of a health nut, so I don't eat like traditional things, but I would do like a nice granola with flax seeds and stuff like that. What's yours? Sensible. Um, my favorite <laughs> cereal of all time was something called Cracklin Oat Bran. Mm. Um, I think they used to sell it in the States. I'd, I've never seen it here in Canada. I've never seen it since I was a kid. Road uh, trip. Let's go on a road trip and see if we can find it somewhere. Yeah, it, it was like bran made into O's, like mashed into O's. So it was like a, a scraggly <laughs> O, uh, but it was very, very sweet. It must've been loaded with sugar. Must've been, and fiber. Uh, the, yeah. the purpose for my question is, uh, I always ask that question um, to groups and, and teams because I, I think there's like a, a personality correlation to the type of cereal that people are like. So mm. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to build a, a fun psychometric <laughs> assessment based yeah. on- Are you gonna build an app on this? Is that gonna be your, your next app? Okay, here's my question to you. If you could have anything in the world named after you, what would it be? It could be a habit, it could be a behavior, it could be a location, it could be a, a beautiful sweater, it could be a textile. If you could have anything in the world named after you, what would that be? Uh, probably a, a leadership theory or like mm -hmm. a work, a work happiness theory or a way that people makes people mm. feel valued, like, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, a leadership program at Harvard. I don't know. Right. Right. Something, something like that. That's, That's I, I, someone asked me the other day, what's your dream job? And I, I looked and I was like, oh, this is going to sound so lame. Um, and I was like, I, I'm doing it. I'm literally doing it every like every podcast I sit on brings me life beyond what I can explain. Uh, every wow. training I do, for the most part, someone has uh, a shift that that brings me great uh, joy and satisfaction. And so, yeah, I don't think that's lame at all. And I know you and I share a love of Jim Quick, who wrote Limitless and did a lot of other programs. But he says. I share this with you not to impress you, but to express to you what's possible, right? So you're not telling people, oh, I'm already living my dream life and my dream job to make them feel lousy about their life, but just to express to them what's possible. It is possible when you work with Nicole North as your leader, 
as your coach, you can find out how to be happy and live the unicorn life too, right? It's possible. Yeah. And not from a place of ego, but just from a place of service and joy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I finally, you know, people always, you know, I used to hear kind of this like, you know, servant leadership and da da da. And I always thought that was a strange, I don't like that language, but I really do find joy in adding value to others, making their day different, making their life different. But enough about me. Uh, Joseph, where, where do we find you? Where can we, like everyone needs to experience uh, you. I, I, I wish I could even come up with a better, you are more than a joy to behold. You are, <laughs> you are a unicorn to experience. You are, uh, you are, you so are so much. There's two places. One of them is sanmiguelretreats.com. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you want to start your healing journey from cancer, if you want to learn healthy cooking, if you want to come and quit smoking, you can come to sanmiguelretreats.com and we will do a custom retreat for you. Or you can just come and do a vacation here. It's an amazing property in San Miguel. And the second place is josephbennett.org. And that's where your listeners can go. And actually, there's a tab on that website that says posters, and they can find the poster of the REST Manifesto. It's multicolored. It's really beautiful. I wish I could show it to you. So josephbennett.org or sanmiguelretreats.com. When does the book come out? Um, I'm expecting it to be out in May, and it's already April. Mm -hmm. fun. Yeah. REST, The Art of Doing Less. Uh, go find Joseph, go follow Joseph, go listen to uh, the Waiting for Permission, Are You Waiting for Permission podcast with Meredith Grindai. They are hip. Let's best. say we're hip. Hip, 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 cool, funny. They're very funny. Cool, funny. My favorite compliment is when people are like, you're so funny. So I'll, maybe I'll just, you know, bounce. You're so funny, Joseph. I love that compliment. <laughs> Me too. Before the episode started, I told, told you how my mother loved the sound of laughter. So being funny in my family is highly revered. <laughs> you are so funny. You are so funny, Nicole North. You are so funny. Let's invite Scott over and tell him how <laughs> funny you are. I'm going to send the podcast to Scott's wife and say, if you feel like Scott can handle this podcast, then uh, send it to him. I mean, at the end of the day, I have, uh, I have nothing but respect for Shut the Fuck Up. You have already now, won, Nicole. Already You've already won. won. I've already won. Uh, you have a beautiful day. And thank you for sharing your time, your voice, your brain, which is just so. Oh, it's so uh, oh, it makes me angry. You're so smart and so <laughs> insightful. Oh, it's so irritating. Uh, thank you for sharing your time with us. I. I love this podcast. I'm going to make it like a, a highlighted podcast or like I'm going to make people, make, maybe I'll make people pay for it. It's that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 99 cents Canadian. Yeah. 99 cents Canadian. That's like three cents us. It's, it's right. Fine. I'm totally. in Mexico. So it's like 10 pesos. <laughs> uh, have an excellent day. Uh, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you listener. See you next time. Thanks for joining us at At The Whiteboard. We've had an amazing time with you here today. If you want to keep up to date with everything that At The Whiteboard podcast is doing, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. 
You can also find us on Instagram at Whiteboard Consult or on our website at www.whiteboardconsulting.ca. Talk soon. Thank you.